and like, how can, how can I help you stop thinking about, (laughs) you know, how can I help you to get out of my fucking life? (laughs) So I can, I, I counseled him essentially. I counseled him through our own fucking breakup for way too long. So yeah, I kind of got fucked on my college experience because I, I really didn't, I didn't go out and party. I didn't do those things that you're kind of supposed to do in college. I mean, he was definitely a good looking guy, but I mean, I was definitely hot back then. So, I mean, I think that's what's, that's what's sad too, is I was so hot and I was with one dude. I don't want any of that dependence. I just want to go fuck somebody and have a good time. And I did. And it was amazing. (laughs) This is Erica. At a very early age, maybe 12 or 13 years old, Erica had this amazing idea. For the rest of her life, she was going to help everyone in her life except herself. Regardless of how people treated her, she was going to dedicate her life to helping those people. Even if they brought negativity to her life, she was still going to do everything she can to try and help them. For example, when she was in her early 20s, she played the role of a mental health therapist for a boyfriend she had just broken up with. A boyfriend who was much older than her and who was robbing her of her freedom and joy. She basically tried to help him uh, ease into his new life and transition into his new life. And part of her genius and amazing plan was that she was also going to completely ignore her own needs and desires and instead focus on fulfilling everyone else's needs and desires. Today's story is the story of a very good-looking, blonde California girl with a sense of empathy so strong that it took her life into some very interesting paths and relationships. The story of a person with empathy and compassion sensors constantly directed outward and very rarely inward. Stories in this series are real stories and are often told from the perspective of one of the two people involved in a marriage or divorce. Because the episode's guest refers to his or her ex-partner by his or her real name throughout the story, And for purposes of maintaining confidentiality, the names of our guests, the ones telling the story, are often changed during the course of the interview. Also, this series is about adults discussing adult topics. While parts of these stories may be insightful to children of divorced families, other parts of these stories may contain content that is too mature for children. So please listen accordingly. Let's start Erica's story at the beginning. As the oldest child, Erica had a rough relationship with her parents, both of them. I don't think I was really close to either of them. My father was gone a lot. My mom was very, very um, authoritarian. Not a lot of love in the household, I would say. In addition to the lack of love, Erica, the oldest of three children, had to witness her parents fighting a lot as a child and early teen. And because of all of that, very early on, 
Erica, the child, had to take on the role of an adult. Makes you very resilient, though, I'll tell you. I, 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 what I realized, it made me independent. It made me resilient. It made me think that I could only rely on myself. So those are values, I think, that I carried with me throughout my adulthood. At 12 years old, her already unstable household would become even more fragmented and disconnected. Erica had to go through her parents' divorce and as a survival mechanism and to build a semblance of balance within her family. Again, she had to take on the role of an adult when she was with her parents. So as a child, when she was with her mom, she would try to figure out the rules that governed her mother's heart and mind. But then when she would go to her dad's house, those same rules would stop working. And she had to figure out other rules to please her father and try to get close to him. So very early on, she had to see life from both the point of view of her mother and from the point of view of her father. She basically had to constantly tune herself to her parents' completely different frequencies. And that kind of empathy and compassion, gymnastics towards her parents, saved her as a kid. Her parents' tumultuous relationship and divorce allowed her to work out her ability to take care of other people and understand other people in general. In her teenage high school years, because of her chaotic household and upbringing, Erica could have turned inward and rebelled against the world. Instead, she decided to give herself the means to escape that chaotic environment, both physically and mentally. But no, I was a straight A student. I was a I was a, a junior Olympic gymnast. Um, so I was very um, motivated, uh, very driven. So I definitely like because I, I think I wanted to get out of that situation, even even mentally, but like if physically too. So I submersed myself in in dance, in reading. I would avid reader. I wrote poetry. Um, you know those types of things to kind of for my escape. That was my way of you know getting away from all of that. And all of these things were basically Erica's way of protecting herself. As a junior Olympic gymnast, being on that gymnastics floor achieves pretty much the same goals and benefits as meditation. On that floor, she's fully immersed in her present and the task at hand during that very second, that very moment. She can't afford thinking about her chaotic past and crazy parents and their fights and their problems. Because if she's not 100% focused on her shit, on her very complex gymnastics moves, she may break a bone or 12. Also, people who have been through suffering in their childhood can respond in different ways. Some people turn inward to avoid future pain, while others turn outward. They show empathy for the suffering of other people. And Erica was exactly that. And through that, she was able to adapt to all types of people and all types of situations. So I was very good at, I fit in very easily with school. And people would say I was like, I was like, I could be friends with anybody. So I don't think I was the popular girl, but I was a smart girl. And I knew like everyone from every facet of every group. And I also liked that. I, I guess I'd almost call myself a chameleon because I could 
I could be in a situation where I, I always kid now, like I could, I could be in a room of, you know, bikers and be comfortable. I could be in a room with the queen and, you know, equally feel um, comfortable. Yeah. Another impact of Erica having had to take on the role of a, an adult while growing up as a teenager in her household was the fact that she became almost too mature for her age. So when she was 18 years old and about to start a new chapter in her life, Erica had another great idea. Instead of fully enjoying her college experience, she decided to embark on a five-year long-distance relationship with a guy, wait for it, who was seven years older than her. Um... But then he and I stayed together for five, almost six years. Five years, five years when I was in college, which was the stupidest thing, stupidest thing I could have ever done. <laughs> and, and guess, guess what? When you talk about long, long distance relationship, he was in the Navy and I was at college. I was at college and I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't cheat. And very early on, this guy showed all the red flags of an obsessive partner. But Erica's going to stay with him for years and years because she cared a lot more about his feelings than hers. No, the problem was, is he was calling me every day, multiple times a day, to check up on me. Where was I going? What was I doing? And it was actually, it was one of those things, it was like, he was the first person who ever said, I love you. And he was the first sex I had, and it was amazing sex. He taught me a lot. So I kind of felt like, oh my God, this is this is how people love each other. They love each other so much, right? But the, it's but but it became obsessive. He became like a child, right? First I saw him as this man, but then he became he became childlike, and I became more the adult. And but the more he did it, the more he pushed me away. But stupidly, I stayed with him. And so much so that he got out of the Navy and then he came up to Chico and became a, so he's a corpsman in the Navy. He became a nurse and he moved in with me and I let him do it. And he asked me to marry him. And I said, no, thank the dear Lord. Thank the Lord. Because I guess there was, there was just something that didn't feel right. But I didn't have the balls to say goodbye at that point. So, yeah, I kind of got fucked on my college experience because I I really didn't, I didn't go out and party. I didn't do those things that you're kind of supposed to do in college. At this point, I'm rooting and hoping for something to happen to this poor girl to get out of this relationship and get her freedom back. And that's something will finally happen. After I graduated... I went to a five-year high school reunion. Okay, and he and I are living together. And I'm still in up in, in Chico. And and I said, I want to go, but I don't want to go with you. I want to just see my friends. And I just want to go by myself. So it was hard to, like, I felt so guilty to say that. But I just, like, I almost, I need to get away from him, quite honestly. Because then I was also living with him, too, right? I wanted to breathe, exactly. And... You know, it was so lovely because I ended up, I connected with not even a, an old boyfriend, but it was someone who I I, I kind of liked. Um, and it was just nice to be with someone. It was, there was no sex or anything like that, but it was just having someone else who seemed normal. 
and having fun with old friends. It was. And that was that was a catalyst, though, that when I came back, I said, I, I, I don't want to be with you anymore. Oh, you met someone else. Well, yes and no, but really not really no. I think what that that boy allowed me to do was to see me for who I was. And, and I think I was so closed off for myself with this relationship that I couldn't really see who I was. And he and this boy just kind of opened things up for me. And even not even just him specifically, but other friends that I'd known since I was in junior high. And and I needed that to like give me some confidence to say, okay, wait a minute, I'm I'm awesome on my own. And why am I letting this person because I felt it was like the albatross. He was just pulling me down further and further down and it felt horrible. But that breakup was not really the end of that relationship. After finally mustering the courage to end an unhealthy five-year relationship, the empathetic, compassionate Erica is going to decide to reappear one more time in this relationship. So I I, I counseled him, essentially. I counseled him through our own fucking breakup for way too long. He would call me all the time and just say, please take me back. You know, I'm, I'm miserable. And I'm like, dude, I'm not doing that. I am. I'm done with you. But I still felt bad. So I would literally, I felt like I was his counselor. And like, how can, how can I help you stop thinking about, me? <laughs> you know, how can I help you to get out of my fucking life? <laughs> So eventually the ties are finally cut with this guy. But empathetic, compassionate Erica is going to keep making constant random appearances in this story. So I think we should just give her a different name for the rest of the story. Maybe let's call her Kiki for the rest of our story. By this point, Erica realized that Kiki was going to keep reappearing in her life again and again. So she decided to take advantage of that and at least make a career out of it. So, so my, my undergraduate is, is in kinesiology. My, my master's is in marriage and family therapy. So I've always been, I've always been a a counselor, I think at heart, no matter what counselor, therapist, you know, healer, helper, that's always been me in whatever realm it is. Right. So at this point, Erica is 23 years old. She finally got her freedom back after years of a toxic relationship. She found her vocation as a therapist. She's happy. She's free. And you know what? She's ready to paint the town red. All of the towns. I broke up with... His name is Steve. I broke up with Steve. And I think what my finally... What I finally figured out and... I know it's it this I wouldn't use this phrase now because it's it would be something else but I called it I was in my man phase and I just started having sex with random random dudes because I needed to get Steve out of my head out of my heart um and just know I just wanted to be with other people you know and have exciting experiences and it was so fucking empowering because then I realized that I was in the driver's seat. And I don't think I ever felt, I mean, I, I was, but I didn't know it with that relationship because of how 
he was so kind of dependent on me. But then I realized like, I don't want any of that dependence. I just want to go fuck somebody and have a good time. And I did. And it was amazing. <laughs> In addition to the empowerment and great sex, that amazing chapter in Erica's life is actually going to impact her life in yet another way. She was later on going to decide to become a sex therapist and end up discovering a lot of things throughout that process. And we will go through all of that in part two of Erica's exciting story next week. This was American Divorce Stories. The show is created by Annabel Martinez-Vega and Walid Al-Jabari. The show is produced by Annabel Martinez-Vega, Caitlin Alexander-Levitt, Elizabeth Jenkins, and Walid Al-Jabari. If you enjoy this show, please share with your friends, rate, and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to contact us with your story, our email is contact at americandivorcestories.com. Our website is americandivorcestories.com. See you next week.